So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, Monday is the anniversary of the day Roger first publishes famous thesaurus. Then on Tuesday, we say happy birthday, Mr. Potato Head. On Wednesday, the extraordinary stories of the child soldiers who fought in the American Civil War. On Thursday, how King James changed the word of God. And on Friday, what did spam emails look like in 1978? We discuss this and more on Today in History with the retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the F1 podcast that relies on a seven-stop strategy because we need more beer and time to edit the script. Yeah, I said this before and nobody listened to me. But I just think that a seven-stop strategy is going to be longer because what you need to do is you want to load up the beer and get like three pints a go, not just going back to the bar back and forth. Sorry, it's too late. Uh, missed Apex are already. They've undercut us. Undercut? Tell us more like. Welcome to, for Formula One's sake, the F1 podcast that everyone expects to be incredibly dull, but sometimes isn't as bad as you think. This is not going to be one of those episodes, though. Welcome to, for Formula One's sake, the F1 podcast that wonders why nobody fucking listens to them. Not when we say that one stop won't work, just generally. Yeah, if you do know anybody that would like a satirical F1 uninformed podcast please spread the word because we really need the listeners to go up thank you I love how Bottas has really shown himself to be (laughs) unliked by the whole team welcome to for Formula One's sake the F1 podcast that's always been tougher on rubber than anyone expects I don't think we need to go any further than that. I'm Gigarez, and just like the Paul Ricard circuit, I will give you a migraine if you stare at me for too long. But enough about that. Let's talk about the French Grand Prix, which wasn't a total bore fest, much to everyone's surprise. Hamilton and Verstappen traded the lead before Max won on strategy. Bottas moaned that no one ever listened to him, and nobody understood how tyres work. We'll talk about all of that random bullshit and probably loads of stuff that has nothing to do with F1. That is all to come. Joining me is a freelance motoring journalist who has had no issues with a crackly radio. It is Phil Tromans. In the French Grand Prix, there were a lot of teams that seemed to have issues with their reception uh, as they were going down the straights. I've had no such issues because I've got really good 5G thanks to my second jab. 
fully vaccinated. Hey, Bill Gates congrats. can control me whenever he likes. Hi, it looks like you're writing a letter. <laughs> No, Bill. No. And alongside him is a man who hasn't watched the race. It is Terry Saunders. Look, I'm going to be honest. This is, this ha- is a Formula One podcast. You have one Terry, job. you have one job. Okay, look, let's be honest here. This has happened before and I've not let on, okay? No, we there are some... Tell. No, you couldn't tell. We could. Once there was a podcast we did but I hadn't watched the race and I asked a question about the race that I just got from reading Twitter and you, Phil, said that's a really good question. So, fuck you. But today, I just want to... I'm sick of lying. I want to be honest. I haven't watched the race, but I'll wing it. <laughs> this is awful. Good. Okay. I didn't even think... I didn't even think you'd do your fake tennis podcast, fucking tennis, without watching the tennis this is unacceptable i'm pretty furious now phil and i have to try and carry this yeah now we have to then we've watched the race yeah now now you know now you know what it's like carrying a podcast (laughs) (laughs) chica what have you been up to apart from watching the race well i've actually been watching a lot of football oh and i fucking hate football it's everywhere yeah Uh, well it's one of the biggest every pub yeah can i just say that in germany i've noticed something interesting with the euros is that it's not that big a deal because we know we're going to win. Veer, you did play quite well the other day, so yeah. And England, eh, not so much. Anyway, should we talk about the Formula One race we haven't watched? Oh, you haven't watched it either. I've watched what it and all the and it. all the post stuff. I watched Ted's notebook and I've watched the highlights as well. Well, I go and have a beer. See, yeah, I'll see you. I see you for the state of F one, which I've yeah. also not written. <laughs> oh, oh. Right, lights out. Away we go into listeners' corner. Remember, if you fuck it up, you have to go around some bollards. The question going into Paul Ricard weekend was whether Red Bull were actually faster than Mercedes. What were the previous two races being weird street tracks? And the answer was yes. We're still not sure as the race in France came down to strategy as much as anything else. Now, Paul Hinton says, still can't work out if Red Bull are genuinely faster. It feels like Mercedes still have the faster race car, but just don't get the most out of it. Maybe they should try dressing up in fancy dress again. Stuart Forsyth says Red Bull keep making correct tactical calls while Mercedes keep making errors. As it's been so long since they've actually had a challenge, have Mercedes forgotten how to battle for a championship? We all know that Red Bull would have two cars towards the front and that they would finally cover Mercedes' strategy this season. So why does it seem like it's caught them totally by surprise? It does seem a little bit like Mercedes perhaps had been making errors in strategy before but their car was so quick that they still won and nobody really noticed and now that the red bull is arguably quicker whenever mercedes make a mistake they actually get punished for it that's a hypothesis terry what did you I, think you watched the race i think that's about right actually because although i didn't watch this race i have watched many races in the past <laughs> where mercedes did do a fuck up and it didn't really matter so i don't know i th- I think there's something weird going on in that... So not that my predictions are ever wrong, but I predicted at the start of this year that Lewis Hamilton would be super cool and Max Verstappen would be the one that cracks under pressure. But it does feel like Lewis Hamilton is cracking a bit under pressure with his old magic switch thing last week. And Mercedes seems to be cracking under pressure. I don't think they've been under that much pressure since they've come back in the hybrid years. Like They've always just had such a a gulf 
And then you hear all this management shit about going, oh, the reason Mercedes are so good is because, you know, they have a kind of no blame culture and actually everyone loves each other and like no one's a shit to each other. And now... The first time something goes wrong, you got Bottas going, no one fucking listens to me. Yeah, and then last <laughs> and time Toto, Toto was like, it's Valtteri's fault, he stopped in the wrong place. Exactly. It's easy to have a no-blame culture where there's nothing to fucking blame. <laughs> now, there's, now it's fucking up. They're all turning on each other. I think they're going to be just like openly fighting by the end of the year. Do you think in three seasons' time they're going to be like another Williams and McLaren and just at the back of the field languishing? It really wouldn't surprise me. If not, if not that far back, it wouldn't surprise <clears> me if they just become a solid midfield team in a few years. What, fighting to so he- pick up the scraps from Red Bull and uh, Alfa Romeo? Oh. No, not Alfa Romeo. Now, Valtteri Bottas, we love to give him stick, and God knows he deserves it. But was he a victim of terrible strategy in the race? He certainly sounded like it wasn't his fault, getting all sweary on the radio about how no one fucking listens to him. Keith Russell says, Toto says he likes what Bottas said. Bottas likes what Bottas said. George likes what Bottas said. Do the team like what Bottas says? Now, Philip Morby says, can we just get George in the Merck already? 12th in the Williams with zero retirements, above Haas in constructions again. If Merck aren't going to listen to Bottas, just kick him out. And Mark Jennings says, Merck are treating Bottas like Patrick Swayze in the film Ghost. Is this a joke to say that they're ghosting Bottas? No, it's uh, is, it's to do with pottery. There's a lot going on in Ghost, and I've not seen yeah. it for a while. I think but, it's because Toto Wolf does a lot of pots. While he's, you can't usually see it because it's close cropped on his face during the garage, but he's actually like molding pottery. And Valtteri comes up behind him and like gives him a hug, and sort of they do the pot thing, and it's very erotic. You know that clip that was going around where Bottas has got like an espresso in his hand. And somebody nearly spills it. Have you seen that? I have not. Oh, oh, you've not seen something? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, shit. No, but I think it was on the Netflix or something. But Bottas is coming out of the garage and someone's either filming him or something. And he goes to give a high five and he nearly spills the espresso all over his white overalls. And I could just imagine that's what he'd be like doing the pottery. <laughs> he'd go out to Toto behind. He'd be like, if you're loving, like the Righteous Brothers would be playing. And he'd go up and he would just like get it all over Toto's face or just he Bottas would just slip on a bit of water behind the yeah. potter's wheel, go face for he'd do a Frank Spencer and he'd be on roller skates behind a bus. Frank Spencer. Hello again to our younger younger listeners. Philip Morby says, twelfth in the Williams with zero retirements. Philip, did you forget the retirement when George crashed into Bottas? That was a fairly spectacular retirement. Well, it was a bit weird after Bottas had his outburst. Because Toto, yeah, then defended him afterwards. He basically said, no, I like it. It's, it's, it's showing a bit of spirit and something like that. He's got spunk, that boy. He didn't use those exact words, but that was the general gist of what he was saying. So I'm now not sure what's happening, whether Toto is now... He just he's, he just wants Valtteri to be argument, argumentative and just going, yes, yes, feel the anger burn inside you. Hmm. Do you remember the sketch in the Fast show where it's the... I was going to say the lady character, whose name I can't remember, that's saying something who will say something and then all the men won't listen and then one of the men will come up with the same idea straight after. Do you remember those series of scriptures? Oh, that's like that clip in the fast show where one of the characters... Yeah. That's how I imagine the briefings of the ladies. <laughs> Bottas, Bottas is going like, um, we should do a two-stop, but there's silence. And then Lewis Hamilton just goes, hey guys, I just thought we could do like a two-stop strategy. Oh and yeah, that's like, a great idea, Lewis. And everyone's just like applauding and going, my God, Lewis, you're amazing. And Bottas is just there like, <laughs> 
fuming. So away from the actual race discussion, one for the audiophiles among you, Christopher Burns by email says, everyone's been complaining about how shit the cars sound. So what does F1 do? Focus on the amazing hybrid gains since 2016. Just pretend no one has noticed. No, they force broadcasters to stop yapping for random laps and demand we all audio up. No, thank you. I honestly don't care how the cars sound, but pretending they sound good is pathetic. Also, please, 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 no one ever take us through a lap again. Controversial. Ooh, Christopher. Yeah, that's really <sighs> got on you. It really grinds your gears, doesn't it? I disagree entirely. I quite like it. I quite like when Crofty shuts up for a minute and somebody who knows what they're talking about talks you talks you through the lap and the intricacies of each corner. And I think the cars sound all right. Can so, we talk about said it? Can we talk about David Croft for a minute? Because sure. um, I think he's terrible. <laughs> Wow, I, I used to really Why? like him. I used to, re- I used to think he was a breath of fresh air and a good replacement for Murray Walker, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I don't know. Something's happened in the last couple of years. I don't know if he's had a stroke or something. But he's just got like really unfunny, but thinks he's really funny. I think that's the problem. The opposite of me. Wow. Right. Okay. okay. I don't think he's one of the all-time greats. He's certainly no Murray Walker. And there are some people who I think mm. are better. But again, it's personal preference into it. I don't think he's as bad as James Allen. I don't think he's as bad as Jonathan Ledyard. Oh, no, he's not as bad as James Allen. No one could be as bad as James Allen. Or Jonathan Ledyard, who was, I think was I think Ledyard was worse than, J- than James Allen. I thought he was terrible. Who, who do you think is the worst of all time? <clears throat> James Allen, without a doubt. Probably Ledyard are the ones I can think of. James um, Allen made me... I, I, got, I got through like six teddies. Thanks to James <laughs> I think Crofty's sort of in the middle, really. Walker was the best, but not necessarily because of his technical still, just because of his, just because of his, just because of him, really. Uh, Nichols is good. Uh, Edwards is good. Ah, whoa, whoa, whoa! Nichols is going down in my estimation because I still haven't got an invite to the wow. Berlin unbelievable. Oh, really? Yeah. Despite everything, I mean, he's been busy. There's been a lot of EPs going on. Well, he doesn't have to do anything, does he? He just says, "Oh, four <coughs> days, one or something." <laughs> I don't think Bordet's doing it anymore. Uh, see, it's, <laughs> no one knows. That will not be the last uh, mention of Bordet in this podcast. There you go. Bordet, Bordet. But, yeah, the problem is I can only conclude that Jack no longer listens to our podcast. And seeing as he's our only influential fan, I think we're a bit fucked. So, If you're an influential Formula One figure, just let us know for our own ego, please. Look, Jack always tells us that people in Formula One listen to the podcast. So what I'm saying is if you work in Formula One, like you work for Aston Martin maybe and you're just listening to this podcast, can you go and find Jack Nichols and tell him, A, to check his podcasts i say messages i've not sent a message b to give me a fucking ticket for the berlin e pre are you suggesting that jack just hangs out at aston martin and i remember him once telling me that he when we did that go-karting where i cracked a rib don't want to talk about it he (laughs) he told us in a story that was probably privileged but he's he's not listening doesn't matter that he played one of our episodes to someone in force india who was now aston martin so i remember i do know that there is somebody who is at Aston Martin who does listen hi John if you're listening because he uh, hi, La- sent- hi Lawrence <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> hi Lance if you're listening 
So in other news, remember the tyres that exploded in Baku? Well, there's been an investigation to find out whose fault it is, and the answer is no one's, apparently. Pirelli announced in rather mysterious terms that everything was fine, and that everyone had complied with the rules about what pressures needed to be set in the car before the race. And it sort of ended there, which left everyone going, huh? I never realised that Peretti were a Soviet Union era company because what they seem to have done is like photoshopped all the footage from the last race going no 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 tyres exploded <laughs> tell yeah. them what you're talking about yeah. Yeah, everything's fine, fine. <laughs> yeah um, and look here's some footage of the driver saying how good the tyres are that we've overdubbed yes <laughs> with, Jer- with Jerry Adams's voice <laughs> and they've got suspicious <laughs> markings on their face so for those that forgot it was like two weeks ago. Um, Stroll and Verstappen's left rear tyre exploded and they crashed at high speed on the straight and everyone was like, that's weird. And Pirelli said, we've checked all the tyres and they're absolutely fine and we checked to see if everyone was running the tyres at the right pressures at the start and they were absolutely fine. And that is the end of that. So what would have happened if Pirelli, had there had been something wrong with the tyres? Well, they would have got what a load of shit for it. But it. Okay, what do you mean by a load of shit? Oh, everyone has said, well, your tyres are shit again, like they were a few years ago, and your people are at risk, and, you know, we're not happy about this. But actually, it, it seems that the tyres were fine. Everything the teams did was fine. Nobody did anything wrong. But so everyone's like, so why did they explode? What seems to have happened is that Pirelli is saying in a very roundabout way for some reason that they can monitor, that they can set the pressures for the start. They say to all the teams before, right, these tyres will, you know, we've got a vague idea of how they're going to perform on this circuit. We say that you cannot run the tyres at the start of the race at less than this pressure. And they can check at the start of the race what pressures the tyres are at. What they can't do is check the pressures during the race. Because obviously as tyres heat up and cool down and wear and blah, 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 the pressures will change. And what they can't do is check what has happened after the start of the race. This completely out of their control. They've got no way of doing it. So what it seems like they're saying is that teams are doing stuff after the race has started that affects the pressures and maybe lowers the pressures. Because if you have lower pressures in your tyre, that's good because the tyre sort of spreads out a bit more on the road and gets more grip. So it does seem that people are doing some funky stuff to somehow lower the pressures in the race below what Pirelli think would make them not explode. But they have no way of checking them. Although I think from next year they will. But they do. There's, they've got sensors and everything. That, well, and the teams do, but Pirelli doesn't. Pirelli can't, and, and I don't think the FIA do either. I don't think they can just tune in and go, oh, is Stroll running, is Stroll got his pressures too low? I don't okay, think they well, can do one, that. I'm no expert on how tyre sensors work, but let me just guess. Just shove a thing in the tyre. That I think that's what well, they're doing next race. year. Yeah, we'll just shove a little thing in that spins around in the tyre. I can only... Or maybe that's, what, maybe that's where the tyres went wrong. Maybe the things they put in the tyre punctured the tyre from the inside. And maybe. they're like, oh, don't want, to, don't want to admit to that. It sounds to me like Pirelli fucked up and they told the FIA they had the, the pressure information and they saved a big bung of cash not putting the sensors in. So when they're like, we can't check, and the FIA go, well, hang on, what about this money we gave you? So now they just go, no, no, it's all fine, don't worry about it. I think it's one of those things where they said, right, you have to put the pressures at this and we'll be checking at the start. And the teams have gone, okay, no, we'll definitely have those pressures in the tyres at the start. You never said we couldn't change them afterwards. And they've come up with some devious ways to make them splurge out and get more grip after the race started. And unfortunately, it's gone beyond what the tyres will cope with. 
That's what I think. But then if that's... Right, you're on Pirelli's but, side there. But if no, that's I'm the on, case... I, I think it's... I'm on nobody's side. I think it's cracking. It's what F1 is all about. It's like, what are the rules? Okay, well, you haven't said that we can't do this, so we're going to do it. But if that's the case, why didn't Pirelli come out and say... Red Bull have been fucking cheating. We told them to set the pressures of this and they've been fucking up. Because well, no, cause, says, cause Red Bull did everything they were supposed to do. Like, nobody's broken any rules. There's no rules yeah, that but, said you can't have the pressures lower in the race. They don't set those rules because they can't enforce them. Yeah, but if Pirelli had said, we tell you a starting pressure and obviously you fucking idiot you shouldn't change that pressure because it's dangerous mm-hmm. because look your tire might explode and you could kill a driver red bull aston martin then maybe at least the fans could get on Pirelli's side but instead they're doing this kind of wishy-washy oh jet fuel doesn't melt steel beams and it's just shit so moving on who likes esteban ocon i've gone off him well alpine f1 likes him and they have just signed him up to a fat contract. The Frenchman will stay at the former Renault team until the end of 2024 at least, which presumably means he's not a Mercedes-backed driver anymore. Yeah, silly season started and finished early for uh, Ocon. But yeah, he was he was a Mercedes-backed driver. But he was like the sort of the sequel to Pascal Verlaine, wasn't he? And then he got sort of loaned to Renault. And now it seems like Mercedes has just gone, ah, it's fine, we've got George Russell. And Ocon's realised that he's not going to get a better seat anywhere else. And in fairness to him, he's now going to be in F1 for at least the next three years after being out last year or the year before, whenever it was. Uh, but this so is surely this is surely just a fuck up Alonso, isn't it? <laughs> you reckon? They don't care reckon? about. Do you reckon they'll get Alonso they a one-year extension? They don't care about Ocon. Alonso's probably starting to act out a bit. He's probably having a little tantrum. So they've gone right. We're going to sign this other guy who, Alonso, you clearly think you're better there. We're going to sign him for three years, and it's just like turning the pressure up, isn't it? It's just like they're just going to be slowly turning the pressure up on Alonso until he explodes. I don't think there's, I th- I think there's <laughs> less to it than that. I just think he's a pretty decent driver. He realises he's not going to get anything else. Alpine are a bit rubbish. They realise they're probably not going to get anyone better. This means that Esteban gets a seat in F1 for the next three years, earns a load of money, done. Good for him. He can continue being a journeyman. Ooh. Oh, what? what do, you have him t- do you have him tipped as a future world champion in an Alpine? No. I no. think he's awful. Never Neither know. does he. Neither does Alpine. Tell us how wrong we are. You can tweet us at For F1's Sake or find us on Facebook where we're For F1's Sake or email us at wrong at ff1s.com. Alternatively, if you think we're right, then you owe us a beer. That is what these people did. And now I will read their names aloud for you. Peter McLeod, who says, One beer each for you, you bunch of twats. Don't ever stop making me laugh. And Jake, and <laughs> I mean, now that you've called us a bunch of yeah, twats, I think we might stop making. Yeah, you but laugh. he's given he's given us beer. I don't think Phil. I don't think if you give us beer that allows you to call us twats, does it? I think that's fine. I think You're it's right, more yeah. of a threat. I think it's more of a threat that if, if we stop making him laugh, he will withdraw the beer. Imagine he sat with us at the table and we all have to keep making him laugh. Dawn Janacek. Yay, Dawn. Sorry if we've butchered your name. It's a new Dawn in terms of making money. Dawn's given us a check. <laughs> Yana check. Yes, Yana check. Putting the check in Yana check. Very good. Thank you. John Gillies. Thank you, John. Gilly, Gilly, Gilly. Gilly. Isn't that like a Pink Floyd song or something? Don't know. I'm thinking Ging Gang, Gooly, Gooly. No, that doesn't work. Gilly suit is what snipers wear. The big things that look like they're a bush. Thank you, John. Brilliant. <laughs> and Thomas Collings. 
Collins. Well, it sounds like a cocktail. It sounds like a cocktail, doesn't he? A, jo- a Thomas Collins. What would yeah. be in a Thomas Collins? I mean, f- four beers, presumably. Bit of petrol with a bit of coke on top and some dandruff. Yeah, a rag coming out the top and a lighter. <laughs> and also, thank you to our monthly donors, some of whom have scheduled payments this week. They are. Bryce Davies. Thanks, Bryce. Andrew Cunningham. Top man. Jason R. Bradley. Paul Hinton. Don't talk over these. Christopher Lee. Thanks. Paul Hewitt. Thanks. 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 I love it so much. Brilliant. Thanks. Behave. Thanks. Join them. Join them now by going to ff1s.com forward slash pint, pint, pint. Teams can come true. Look at me, babe. I'm with you. You know you gotta have hope. You know you gotta be strong. Brilliant. Red Bull. Verstappen was incoherent throughout the race and smug at the end, but you've got to give it to him. He does an all right overtake. And Perez, everything went right for him. Do you think Perez and Verstappen are obliged to drink Red Bull before a race? Yes. No, we've had this. Bef- we've we've, we've talked we? about this before. Like They're obliged to drink water from a Red Bull bottle, but there's no way oh, that athletes yes. will drink Red Bull. No, we have talked about this. There is no way that a nutritionist would let Nutri- an nutrition- athlete anywhere near that shit. Nutrition- <laughs> is that, is that the yeah. word? Okay. You know when you've got, you know, DRS and they used to have ERS and all that kind of stuff and they got pushed to pass in various other seasons? I think there's like that where when they're about to do something hardcore, they can have a little jet of. Red Bull that just makes them go, makes them go a little bit crazy, like Bane in Batman. Red Bull doesn't do that. It does. Makes you go a bit. Red Bull doesn't. It doesn't. I tell you what it does. That here there are two drinks. There's Fritz Cola, which is nice. I've had that. It's good. Coca Cola. Yeah, that's nice. It's very caffeinated. And there's Club Mate, which is like Red Bull, but twenty times stronger. Ooh, I like the sound of Club that. Club Mate is the only drink that's made me feel a bit loopy. I quite like the sound of that. Apart from loopy. Apart from Bring when some I, over next time you're back. Spike. I, well I'm not gonna be back at this rate, am I? Wow. I'm fucking exiled here. I feel like the king of Spain. <laughs> I don't know what that's that means either. Got to reference there. Yeah. Um, Mercedes Oh is that all we're gonna do? is that all we're gonna give Red Bull? <laughs> we're gonna talk about I mean, German soft drinks. I thought I'd got away with that. Because we managed Terry, come on. I'm gonna try it's, and not talk about the race. Analysis oh. time. Are Red Bull faster than Mercedes? Yeah, they obviously are faster, but their strategy was really good, which is why Perez managed to come in third. Uh, I don't think he would have he would have been on the podium if their strategy hadn't been so good. See, I'm not convinced because if you remember at the start, Ooh, that Ham- was good. Uh, Hamilton just, was you, Terry. You haven't watched the race. No, I was just going to say, Chica, that was good. You should you should talk about the race more wow. often. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you <laughs> patronising shit. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I think it's great that women are in the workplace. It's so nice, isn't it? I am going to go back to the kitchen though because I really feel out of my depth. <laughs> Basically, Hamilton was right behind Verstappen. After Verstappen got back in front, after the pit stop, because he did pull out that mm-hmm. incredible outlap out of the back. It was amazing. After that, Hamilton was right behind him for the whole race until he wasn't. And Verstappen couldn't get away. So I think they're actually really close, and it's just Mercedes keep fucking up their strategy. But who knows? We'll find out at the next two Austrian races. Yes, but Hamilton is an amazing driver. But so is Verstappen. Yeah. And, but even- Pere- and Perez and Bottas were both close as well, and they only, only Bottas was only beaten by Perez on strategy again. But Hamilton's really good. It was looking yeah. like Bottas might get a podium. Really good with Oof. rubbish tyres, isn't he? Oof. He's really good at savoring, saving tyres. So is Perez. 
Yeah, savory. He's savory. Oh, I love this tire. Mm, oh, delicious. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> so tasty. Oh. Yes, Terry. Mm. What would Terry, you, what like do you to think? contribute? <laughs> Look, I think quite clearly, at the end of the day, the match is a game of two halves. And what happened here <laughs> is the better man won or maybe didn't. Mercedes. So the race showed that Bottas is not somebody that you'd want as your mate. If you were being sick in a club, for example, he wouldn't hold your hair back. He would use your sick as an organic styling gel on you. And if you needed a wing person, for example, he would start talking your, to your potential pulley about things that made them want to go home and reflect. Say what you like about his tyres. He was not there for his mate Hamilton. He did not manage to hold off Verstappen, did he? I'm slightly weirded out by your analogy there. Is this some insight into your I got quite past? carried away when I was thinking about whether I would want to be friends with Bottas or not. I'm sorry, but I think you're wrong about Bottas because I, I think that Bottas in a club would be, you know, in a club where there's somebody who's wearing like a white shirt and white trousers and white shoes <laughs> and, you, and you go, what? <laughs> and then... And he's like talking to you on the dance floor, just like, uh, yeah, so hi, what are you doing? And he'd just be talking and talking and it'd just be really awkward and wouldn't be able to say anything relevant and wouldn't be able to take a hint. So um, mm. I think that's what you'd be like. I don't yeah. think... Did you ever manage to clean have... those trousers, by the way? <laughs> Phil, we all know which of us would be wearing white trousers in this trio. But what did you think about him being unable to hold off Verstappen? I don't blame him. I actually think Bottas had one of his best races of the year. Admittedly, not a high watermark so far, but he was right there for most of the race behind Hamilton. Um, and again, it was only strategy that knackered him, really. So I don't have too many problems with Bottas in this race. But, you know, he's built up a lot of credit from previous races, so... All right, you go clubbing with him then. From what I can gather, Bottas didn't try too hard to hold Verstappen behind him. But then afterwards, Hamilton let Verstappen through pretty easily too. So really... Well, exactly. There is that. But I mean, it was kind of academic. Like, Verstappen was so much faster <coughs> on his fresh set of tyres. Yeah, that's what yeah, I was about to no say. no point, really. Yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> now, Hamilton is so cool. While Bottas was having a radio tantrum and Max was screaming fuzzy shit into it, Hamilton managed to get man into every team radio message. If they did it again, man, would they do a two-stop with both cars? And if they did so, would they do any better? This is Mercedes. It seems it would depend entirely on timing and quality of outlap. And it does seem like everyone feels that Verstappen's outlap when he pitted on the undercut was super good. So and Verstappen did get pole, so one lap pace in the Red Bull maybe is better than the Mercedes. So based on that scientific information, no, they still have lost. Who got fastest lap again? Terry? Fastest lap went to Perez. He did not uh oh. Perez. It was it was uh it was Science. Verstappen. Oh. Okay. It was Verstappen. So it could have been So Verstappen got another So it point. could have been worth changing tires purely to get fastest lap. Well, ah, there was ah, some ah, no, 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 I know this bit. So Perez nearly got Shut a up, penalty. Shut didn't watch the race. Perez nearly got a penalty, and so Toto kept him out because there could have been a five-second penalty, but actually he ended up five seconds behind him anyway, so it's fucking pointless. Yes, exactly that. I don't Thanks, even need Terry. to watch the race. No, we'll come back to you on the next one, and you can tell us everything. Aston Martin! We're not going to remember the French GP as Stroll's big race as he, as he finished 10th, but 
It actually was a really good drive from him. Obviously, we didn't see any of it because the camera was at the front throughout, but this is based on the results at the end. He started in 19th and finished in the points. The thing about Stroll's race is that he, you didn't see much of it, but he started in 19th and he finished, I think it was 10th. Yeah, so he got points. So actually, I think he did quite well. And Vettel, I believe, finished 9th, which, you know, not a podium, but actually pretty good considering where the team is. And I think you can see throughout the race that the team are maybe not good on the corners, but they're pretty good on the straights. (laughs) And they're really good at looking after the tyres, but they're pretty bad at the wiggles. I mean, to be fair, Terry... At the wiggles. <laughs> to be fair, Terry, you've done better than me, because looking at my notes, I've just written, underneath writing about Stroll, I've just written Vettel. <laughs> thing is, without without watching the race, the the the, Ferrari, the the Mercedes Red Bull bit is hard to blag, but the rest of this is going to be fucking yeah. easy. Stroll did have a good race but he did have a bit of a nightmare in qualifying which is why he started at the back because he kept he basically kept ballsing up his lap if I remember and then he was going to start a lap and then wouldn't you know it somebody went into the bloody wall at Paul Ricard which is meant to be pretty much impossible oh I did and I watched qualifying he lost his uh, oh there you remember then there was a lot he basically of was like oh, I've got a time I've got a time and then he aborted his lap and he's like no nah, I'm going to do it this time and then of course was a Schumacher binned it into the wall that's just what happens <clears throat> and that was the end of that's that. just what happens when you're rich hmm yeah, you always think you got another chance because Daddy will put his hand. In his... I'm surprised that Lawrence Stroll didn't just go. Here's hundred million quid. Let's have yeah. Q2 have another five minutes. Q4. Yeah. So yeah. So what? Q uh, Tommy Hilfiger. So what happened with um, Vettel? Just remind me. So he, he started twelfth, finished ninth, ninth. Finished ninth. So he got points. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, did well again. Yeah, did well Car, again. The car is still not that great. Still not that great. Okay, well, that'll do then. Ferrari. (laughs) Ferrari was shit. Everyone's tyres were bad, but theirs were like they were made out of Weetabix. Ferrari's symbol is a horse. Which animal would your symbol be? A cat. Why? Because tomorrow I'm getting a tattoo of a cat. Ooh. Where? Or is it some sort of replacement for a cat in places where cat advertising isn't allowed? Egypt. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) No, I'm getting a, a, a series of cat tattoos. A tattoo. <laughs> a tattoo. No, I'm going to get a series of animated cats falling down my arm. To their deaths, or? No, because cats land on their feet. Oh. What kind of cat? Mo- black cats. Will the cat land on the Marlborough logo? No, it's on the other arm. Left arm um. is just for Formula One sponsorship. <laughs> right arm is for cats. If you so, do want to sponsor Terry's arm... <laughs> Fucking hell, that's a great idea. For £100,000, no. For a million pounds, I would get a mission <laughs> I would get a mission winner tattoo on my arm. Well, no, okay, I mean, well, that's a drop in the ocean to Philip Morris. Yeah, I've already got one Philip Morris tattoo. <laughs> exactly. That was that was that was the free one to lure them in. Yeah. Now he's got them addicted. What what would you what, <laughs> wrap up the price? What's your symbol, Phil? <laughs> What's my symbol? What's your animal? What's your spirit? Well, animal? I, my my animal. I don't. I'm not really that much of an animal guy, to be honest. Old. Sorry, bibs. Oh, <laughs> gotta take the bibs out. <laughs> gotta take the bibs out. It's time for the bib song. Yeah. Bibs, bibs, <coughs> bibbity bibs. Gotta take the bibs out. Come on, chicken bibs, bibs, bibbity bibs. Oh, Ferrari was shit though. We should talk about Ferrari being utterly shit. God, they I mean, were really shit. shit. It's embarrassing. Because <laughs> they felt they had pole position at the last mm. two races, didn't they? Before this. Monaco and Baku. What went wrong? Yeah. 
uh, was Leclerc on pole both times? Yeah. The car was terrible. Yeah. Like, as you said, everybody had bad tyres, but they really couldn't get into work. They were both out of the points in a race where everybody finished. But they didn't really have time to sort anything out before the next race, did they? So... Well, it's a very different track. Mm. And I think because there's two races coming up at Syria. and the, At Syria? <laughs> the Syrian Grand Prix. Styria. I would like to watch yeah. the Syrian Grand Prix. <laughs> that would be... Oh, there'd be some Bernie-style obstacles on that, wouldn't there? My word. The Styrian Grand Prix, I should say. There's, there's two of them coming up, and they're changing the tyres for each one. So, By which I mean they're having different compounds, not their... You know what I mean. But yeah, they were rubbish. McLaren... Norris was just cool and cruised from 14th to finish in P5. And time for an actual fact. Norris is the only driver to score points in all seven races this season. Whose dreams do you think Lando will be making come true in five years' time? Which seat could he be in? Ooh, that is an interesting question. I think he'll be a McLaren boy forever. Really? He could be. But I think Mc- well, did, hasn't he signed a long-term contract as well? He has signed that? until the end of 2030. Did, did he though? Yes. Norris. 20, 2040. Sorry, <laughs> I was wrong. I mean, he is young enough that he actually could do that. Uh, he has a multi-year contract uh, as of last month. He's going to be there for a while. You could be right. I mean, if McLaren carry on getting good, yeah, he could stay there for a while. And he was he's. He's been maybe the most surprisingly, tremendously good driver of the year for me, because mm-hmm. I, I had him down as a you know, reasonable at the end of last year, but he's been knocking it out of the park this year, with the possible exception of one race I think where Ricardo beat him. But although, uh, and Ricardo's finally starting to get his act together at this race as well. well this although was... I don't, I don't think I like Lando Norris. Why? I don't know. Something annoys me. Okay. Well, let's revisit that. Oh no, hang on. Oh, we can't just go over that because that is it. The fact that he's called La- is, he, is it the fact that he's called Lando and you fear he's going to betray you and then fly off to Bespin Cloud City? No, because I don't like Star Wars. But I what? Oh, God, here we go again. You knew it was. You knew it was Star Wars, though. Yeah, I've seen Star Wars. I don't like it. Although I haven't watched this race, so I don't know what that's. <laughs> <laughs> but Lando Norris. I don't know. I, I realise that by saying there's something I don't like about him, that's like a, a racist dog whistle. It's not race. You don't like him because he's British? I just... Have you abandoned every British thing now? You're now you're like, fully-fledged obviously, German. Obviously, British people are horrible. <laughs> I mean, you have a point. He did well, though. And Ricardo finally seems to be understanding how to drive the car, at least at well, this track. Well, it was actually well, one it, of his best races although, this season. Uh, but he is still he's still exactly. having trouble with the car, he says. He's never happy, is he? Well, it's, there's less braking on this track. It's quite a, quite a fast track. Although, can we talk about what's undoubtedly the most important part of the weekend, which is, if you recall from our live episode a few years ago, when I did my very successful rhyming slang for the teams, and McLaren's rhyming slang was, my mate Darren, <laughs> as a cousin, my mate Darren, something, something, guys from McLaren. <laughs> And this week, I'd and this week Ricardo's engineer called him Darren by mistake, which means that my rhyming slang <laughs> has finally come true. Oh, I think we found out which, uh, which high-end people in F1 listen to the podcast <laughs> then, haven't we? Yep. Classic mm. Darren. Yeah, that was quite amusing. Apparently, it's not even the first time he's done it either. Apparently, there's somebody that... I've forgotten the, the engineer's name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's Darren. not Darren. But apparently, there's somebody back in Woking that he talks to a lot called Darren, and he did it when uh, someone else was the McLaren driver. Carlos Sainz. 
and kept going, called him Darren as well. Yeah, called him Darren as well. So maybe it's just a thing. Well, the Carlos signs does look a bit like a Darren. Oh, I don't know. Does he? Alpha Tauri. <laughs> I do not remember anything Gassi did, but I do know he got points. Remind me, Phil. He had a fight with Norris uh, where he basically went careering across him and off the track and they had a bit of a big old ding-dong because Gasly overtook Norris and then later on Norris got Gasly back again. Uh, so, yeah, they, uh, Gasly's also been doing very well this season. Maybe slightly less surprisingly because he's been decent at AlphaTauri for a while. Put him in AlphaTauri, he's great. Put him in a Red Bull, he's rubbish. Um, but he carried on being really good. Had a really good race. Sonoda, on the other hand. Sonoda, more like. Sonoda, mm. as in N-O in big letters. Sonoda. Yes, that, yes that's how his name is spelled, yes. Sonodad. <laughs> Not so good. Yeah, but he started so not, from the... So no so good. He started Yeah, but he from started the from the pit lane, lane because he, he started crashed, from back because he crashed in qualifying. Two, like two corners in. Two corners into Q1. He literally came out of the pit, did two corners and crashed. So I personally think so, he makes a lot of cock-ups, but I think he's actually very good when he behaves himself. Yes, but that's a very crucial qualifier mm. that you put in there. But he's very young, um, Phil. Very young uh, indeed. He is he is very young and very little yes. and very cocky and I like all of that about him but you can only get away with that if you're really good and he's had at least one fairly catastrophic spin in the last three weekends and it's wrecked everything. He didn't really get very far in the race and I think patience is going to start running out very soon. I think there's a chance that Kvyat's going to be back in that seat before the end of the year. <laughs> That would be pretty surprising, but also not at all surprising. Yep. Right, okay. Alpine! Another team that were victims of bad tyres. Now, do you think they know in advance that the tyres are going to go tits up? Like, we're not going to be able to work this, so hold on tight. Or do you think that they just kind of realise? Only once the race started, I think. I think everybody was like shit <laughs> these feel much worse than we expected them to this far into the race so yeah it seemed to be the case for everyone and obviously some teams dealt with it better than others i think the problem um, i think the problem with this whole tire thing is that the teams aren't flexible enough because surely you think once they start going these tires aren't very good you just go for a pit stop straight away but they're also fucking hung up on their computer algorithm dipshit uh, I think they've yeah they've got their different plans. Yeah, they? and it's like oh, oh God, we have it's probably somebody with papers in the background going oh God hang on no plan C point two. Mm, yeah. uh. Whereas what you want is you know someone to go you want a Patrick head to just bellow into the team radio change the fucking tires and fucking get on with it you cunts. <laughs> yeah, Alonso finishing the points. Starting mm-hmm. to get the hang of it, isn't he? This plucky young rookie. <laughs> Maybe he'll do okay. I've always I've always been for him. Uh, do you think yeah. this is if he comes out with some sort of clothing firm I'm going to be all over do you over think it. this is where they expected him to be I mean they probably didn't expect him to finish 8th and consider that a good result but right. under the circumstances I would say that was a good result because what was Ocon 14th the only problem with Alpine is because they've rebranded from Renault you kind of forget that this is exactly what Renault did for the last 5 <laughs> years is kind of talk up a good game and then finish 8th so actually the car's <laughs> shit. It's always been shit. It's always going to be shit. It's hard to argue with that. Alfa Romeo. So I'm going to ask you, Terry, because I know you weren't watching it, and also I have no fucking idea. What did Alfa Romeo do at the French GP? 
Okay, well, I'm quite offended that you neither of you have asked me what I was actually <coughs> doing during the French Grand Prix to mean I couldn't watch it. And the truth is, I was having dinner with Kimi Raikkonen <laughs> and Antonio Giovinazzi. <laughs> so they weren't in the race because we were having a right piss up. And I can tell you that Kimi Raikkonen, despite what everyone thinks about him, he's a very generous person and he orders a lot for the table. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah a lot of finger food. A lot of finger food. A lot of finger food and no ice cream. Ha, 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 ha. Or vodka. Antonio Giovinazzi, however, we all ordered for the table and then he ordered something. But when it came, he kind of hogged it to himself, which I thought was a bit weird. Especially when... That's exactly what I would do. Of course you would. Of course you would. In your, you'd um, sit there yeah. in your white trousers going, this is my burger. I don't have fucking white trousers. Where's this come from? I don't like this as being attached to me. The, the, only, only, thing, t-shirt, the, only, thing the you- only t-shirt I'm going to design this year is you in white fucking trousers. <laughs> the only thing you'd, uh, you'd give as well would be these small, tiny bits of lettuce that came with your burger. Oh yeah, you could have Thank those because well no, I wouldn't have them in the first place because when I've ordered it, I'd have said don't put any lettuce on it. I love it plain, medium, cheese, no sauce. Phil, Phil, much. Phil, Phil, Phil. What's your view on tapas? <laughs> uh, I like chorizo. I like patatas bravas. <laughs> no, no, I'm not talking about the food. The, the the notion of tapas. The idea that you would get stuff for the table and share it, I do not like. Why? <laughs> it's like I'm going to order what I want. If you want to order something else, fine. But I, I've ordered this because I want it. But I'm you've not said it. why. If you, you want something else, why? you order it. Yeah, but then the, the joy of the joy of tapas is that you can you can have more things to eat because there's more choice on display, or you I can don't look want at, more choice. <laughs> and, and you try stuff. I want the things I want. You try stuff. I want to look at the menu. You would go, I like that, that, and that. I'm going to have but those. If you have tapas, if you want them, you somebody order them. orders something you would never try before, and then you try it, and you're like, oh, actually, I wouldn't have never have ordered that, but I really like it. I would never have ordered that, and I wouldn't <laughs> try it because I don't want it. If I wanted it, I would have ordered it. Unfortunately, Chica, our arguments both fell apart as you said that because, yeah, he would never try something he hasn't tried before. Yes. Phil tried six meals when he was six, and that's what he eats now. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I mean, Thursday. Well, let's not suggest that I change meals every single day. I'm not some sort of gourmand. What did you eat tonight, Phil? Uh, pizza. <laughs> What kind of pizza was it? A frozen pizza, a delivered pizza, a homemade pizza? No, it was one of these. Uh, one of these. I'm not going to say the brand. Uh, it's Crosstrim Monaco. I will say the brand. They give you like a pizza base, and you can build your own pizza. What on did top you put of it. on it? So I put Ooh. on mozzarella, uh, tomato <laughs> stuff, and chicken and basil. 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 You. <laughs> Dried basil. Oh. I don't eat a lot. I know what I like, and I like the best of it. Williams. Williams are now back above Haas. This is not impressive, but it is good news for Williams because being below Haas is really embarrassing. Russell finished in 12th. I mean, 12th. Did we think we'd ever be saying that unless Mystic Deb's premonitions were right and he'd got himself a Mercedes drive? Uh, Yeah, because he's nearly got there before. In fact, he's been in the points before, but then every time he's done it, he's crashed. Mm. So he has done well. And fair play to him. And he demolished Latifi. But, no, this is sort of where I'm expecting him to be every race. And I don't say that dismissively. It's because I think he's really good. Haas! Haas! Schumacher made it to his first Q2, but I didn't care about that. What I care about is the fact that I've just read an interview with Mazepin in which he says there are not very many gentlemen left in F1. 
I'm sorry, but he sexually harassed a woman and posted it on social media. He has thumped someone in F3. What is wrong with this stupid man? Look, not to defend him, but I think he's right. He's saying, the rest of the quote said, there's not many gentlemen left in F1. I should fucking know. I'm a right (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty accurate. Uh, I mean, I don't think that's news. I think we all knew Mazepin was a bellend. I did hear that thing about saying, well, all these gentlemen's agreements aren't worth the... It's like, fuck off. <laughs> also, you broke a, broke a gentleman's agreement in your first race by overtaking people in qualifying or something like that. So um, he can go and sit and swivel. Uh, Schumacher did get through to Q2, but what was quite funny is that uh, as soon as he got the time to get him through to Q2, he then crashed and couldn't actually take part in it. So that was amusing. And now for the man of the match of driving. Lewis Hamilton. And now it's time for the state of F1 with Terry Saunders. It feels like Michael Massey might have been given a large bung by the Red Flag Federation. Either that or he's part of bull and the red material gets him horny because he seems to get the red flag out quicker than a group of heteronormative men get their cocks out together but never talk about it after. This modern F1 is conflicting for me. We should like four red flags in qualifying last time and another two this weekend. But is there such a thing as too much of a good thing? A red flag used to be a once in a season experience. Something really bad or interesting or exciting had happened. But now it seems to be that someone goes wide on a corner and Massey is screaming down the FIA radio channel, Bring me the red flags! Anoint me! But don't worry, I have a solution. We can't go back to the old way of nothing ever happening ever. That's not what I'm advocating. But too much of everything all the time isn't working either. For once, my solution is preaching temperance. We need to accommodate a halfway measure. And for that, I propose pink flags. A pink flag means someone has gone off, but basically they're okay. So we're not going to stop everything. But unlike the double yellow of slow down and be prepared to stop, the pink flag is speed up. But if you crash or hit someone, you're disqualified all weekend. However, if you go fastest and safest, you get an extra point. For so long, safety has been in charge of F1. Let's bring back the days when recklessness was rewarded with the Mo flag. If you complete a lap within 101% of the fastest time, but with one hand in your air, you get a point. Do a lap without your helmet, that's the burgundy flag. A point. Seatbelt undone, well done, Charlie Clark. You get a point under the lavender flag. Everyone gets a point. Everybody dies. Well, that is it from us. It's goodbye to Phil Tromans. We didn't talk about, actually, the fact that Grosjean's car caught fire in IndyCar last week. And he had to grab a grab a uh, grab a fire extinguisher and run to put it out oh, again. Poor man. I was like, it's a bit harsh after what he's been through. Oh, boohoo! And to Terry Saunders. We haven't had time to talk about Ron Dennis. We'll okay. be back next week to discuss the Austrian Grand Prix. In the meantime, check out our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash for F1 sake, and follow us on Twitter at for F1 sake. You can buy merch where um ff1s.com forward slash shoppity shoppity shop thanks for listening see you in a week i've been chica Rares. goodbye bye, bye. sports social podcast network